in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, well, he has trouble with the spin. And the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. Is now in. Hour number two here on this Tuesday edition of Terrible Tuesday. Of course, we have some Terrible Tuesday takes in hour number one. Back here in Las Vegas after another successful rendition of the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame last weekend. Yet appreciate everyone for coming out with that and supporting that, our ninth annual event. And uh, our next guest is uh, one of our uh, previous inductees in the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. Did you notice I gave you a good mic? You, Yeah, thank you very much for that. No problem. I appreciate that. And, all right, this hour, Chuck Esposito will join us as well. And uh, it is Super Bowl week here, uh, broadcasting live uh, the rest of the week at uh, the Radio Row in uh, Michelob Ultra Arena, outside the Michelob Ultra Arena, say inside the Mandalay Bay. And then Friday, we'll be back at the Westgate as we normally are as well. So, again, the next couple days, Radio Row, we'll have uh, some great guests uh, out there as well. So make sure that you tune in, listen to our star-studded guest lineup as we start to preview, handicap, Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. And then, uh, of course, on Friday's show, we'll deliver our best bet and best prop bet for the Super Bowl on Sunday. All right, join us now, our good friend, college guru, NFL guru, call him what you want, Trevor Maddich joins us now. Trev, how are you doing? You see, I am great. I am great. Really excited about this matchup in the Super Bowl. I, I had picked the Ravens to win the AFC Championship game over the Chiefs and make it to the Super Bowl, but I couldn't be happier that the Chiefs proved me wrong because, man, all the storylines from Kansas City matched up against the evil empire out in San Francisco. This is going to be a lot of fun. Now, Trevor, let's start with that because that is funny that you mentioned the evil empire in San Francisco. Usually, Trevor, as you know, the evil empire is the New York Yankees. And, you know, people don't like the Yankees. And that, oh, that's still a mystery to me. Like, people just, you know, they hate on everybody that has success. But, People, someone was asking me earlier in the show about this, this, you know, San Francisco fans, you know, being, or, you know, the Niners being, you know, the evil guys and, you know, basically being the heels. And, you know, if we're going to go wrestling terminology here in Kansas City, being, you know, the baby faces here, I, I don't see it. You and I both grew up in, in Northern California. I don't see how the 49ers became the evil empire. So I'm going to let you elaborate on that because I'm a little confused. Well, let's start with a comparison of the Chiefs, and then we'll go to the 49ers. The Chiefs are like lovable, cuddly plushies that you want to take home and give to your kids. My wife, Dana, loves the Kelsey's um, podcast, New Heights. And, you know, I've only seen it when she's shown me stuff, but she just thinks they're great. She loves Jason Kelsey's uh, girls and his his wife. I mean, his little kids are great. You know, you can't hate Travis for dating Taylor Swift when you look at his brother Jason's four-year-old daughter talking about how much she loves Uncle Travi and she hopes Uncle Travi wins except when they play the Eagles. I mean, it's just, it's just adorable beyond belief. And then you've got Andy Reid for the Chiefs as, as head coach, who's the anti-Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick helped to create the evil empire reputation for the Patriots when they were winning all those Super Bowls because of his outward persona. Andy Reid is just, he, he's the lovable uncle, for goodness sake. There's nothing to not love about Andy Reid. And if somebody wants to bring something up, I'm willing to listen, but I'm telling you right now, I think you're going to be wrong in advance. And then, of course, you got Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, may be the, when it's all said and done, the greatest player that's ever played, certainly one of the greatest players that's ever played. And yet when he talks, he gives credit to his teammates, to his coaches. He praises his opponents. He's exactly what you want him to be. The, as much as they win, the Chiefs, I just, just, you got to try so hard to hate the Chiefs 
uh, Raiders fans in Las Vegas accepted. You are allowed to hate the Chiefs, but that's for a different reason. Now, 49ers, why are they the evil empire? Because of the way they win. They, it's like bowling pins, and they're the bowling ball. They just set you up and mow you down. Over the last number of years, they've been one of the most physical teams in the league. They just batter you. And on defense, they just steal your dreams, man. They stifle everything you try to do. And when they get ahead and you're trying to catch up, uh, elite pass rushers are coming from everywhere, smashing your quarterback. They're just, they're just jackhammers is what they are. They're sledgehammers. That's their reputation anyway. This year, they're a little bit different in some ways. But then they've got the last pick of the draft, Brock Purdy, who comes out and is one of the most exciting stories in the NFL over the last couple of years. And you're like, well, gee, the, the 49ers, the rich get richer. The rich get richer with Purdy in there at quarterback now. So I think because of the nature of the way that they play, the 49ers are much more likely to be seen as the evil empire than these lovable chiefs. Yeah, see, I look at the evil empire, you know, moniker as, you know, bad boys, you know, the Pistons back in the day and in, in, in like the Furniers really don't have any bad boys. I mean, now you're right. Uh, when you're talking about the cuddly, wuddly bear, there is no bigger cuddly, wuddly bear than Patrick Mahomes. There's no doubt. And then it doesn't help, uh, or it doesn't hurt, I should say, to have all of those, you know, State Farm commercials going with, uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes together. I mean, that's, those are cute. They're funny. And, and I, I get it. They've, they've tapped into the casual football fan or even the non-sports fans. So, hey, I like those commercials. And then, of course, like you mentioned, the Travis Kelsey and the Taylor Swift thing. Of course, you're bringing a whole new audience. I I get all of that. But there's this guy, Christian McCaffrey, who's, he's kind of a cuddly, wuddly bear to a certain degree. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's, and plus, who does not like to watch Christian McCaffrey play? Oh, Christian, you're right about McCaffrey. You know, the only thing, the only way it could be better from a rooting perspective um, for McCaffrey is if he played for the Chiefs, right, <laughs> right. But, but you're right about that. I mean, he does everything right. His family, Christian McCaffrey, is phenomenal. His father Ed, one of the greatest receivers of his time in the NFL. His mom is probably the best athlete in the entire family. His brother just played in the Senior Bowl as a wide receiver, right? And so it's it's um, McCaffrey is just you, you want to root for McCaffrey. It's nothing nothing against any of the individual players. I, I love the individual players that I have followed there, Trent Williams especially at left tackle. You know, I'd love to see Trent get his Super Bowl ring. After all, he went through in Washington, and the way he was treated from – they just treated him so poorly, so incredibly poorly at Washington, and he just gave so much there. Guys like that you root for, you want to. But as you just look at the league, you know, you, you see the 49ers in their uniforms without looking past into the – uh, into the helmets to to know the guys because they don't just don't do the commercials that the that the Chiefs do and they don't have the uh, high high profile girlfriend that the Chiefs does the you know you just look at the style of play and they just it's like stormtroopers man they just they just march out onto the field and lay waste to their opponents and it's uh, it's just a different kind of a, a feel I think if you're a casual fan or an NFL fan who doesn't know either team well, I think that's the way you set them up in your mind. Trevor Match uh, joins us. Trev, so are you uh, backing the Jackhammers or the Cuddly Wuddly Bears? Oh, the plushies. Yeah. The plushies are going to yeah. mess with the Jackhammer. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting my brain fully wrapped around it. Right. But there, as I look at these two teams, the, the defenses, I would give the edge to Kansas City, wouldn't you? See, this is where I'm in a quandary, okay? Because all season long, we talked about the beasts or the jackhammers that the 49ers have on defense because they can get you with the pass rush, very good linebackers, good cover guys. And, you know, I never thought, okay, that 49er defense has a weakness. But what I saw, the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff and even Jordan Love with the Packers do – 
you know, 400 yards plus shredding the 49ers defense, I'm thinking like, whoa, what has happened here? It's giving me a little cause for concern because, Trev, I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes anymore. I mean, I thought Buffalo would take him out. I thought Baltimore would take him out. Even though I love Patrick Mahomes and not a big fan of Lamar Jackson, I just thought, uh, okay, this Chiefs team just really hasn't gotten it together, but they have gotten it together ever since the Raiders beat him at Arrowhead. And since then, there's been a different Chiefs team. They've gone on the road. They've been the war, the road warriors. And they have been fantastic. So I'm in a quandary here, my friend. I really am. But what does put it over the hump, maybe, is that Chiefs defense. Because we've always seen the Chiefs defense be susceptible to big plays and maybe bend that don't break. But this year, they are rock solid. So I want to ask you, my friend. Compare these two defenses with the Niners and the Chiefs. Yep, and, and you're right about the reputation of the Niners on defense. That's why you know I kind of put a little caveat on there about the whole jackhammer thing. That's the way they play, but there's a few differences this year, especially late in the season. The 49ers defense, especially later in the season and into the playoffs, teams that could run did run, and they ran well. Green Bay averaged almost five yards per carry, 4.9 yards per carry on the ground against this vaunted jackhammer, sledgehammer 49ers defense. And then the Lions running attack just went off. I mean, went off on them. And really, the what was it, 17 to 7 or 24 to 7? What was the halftime score of that game? Oh, yeah. It was just, yeah, yeah 24 way, way in front. Yeah, uh, that the Lions led. And had it not been for one of the most memorable meltdowns in memory in the second half of a playoff game, the um, the Detroit Lions would be in the Super Bowl right now. Uh, but the 49ers, to their credit, took advantage of the Detroit Lions just messing up on offense over and over and over again, drop passes, turnovers, just all kinds of stuff, and the 49ers came back. But the thing is, had it not been for that, the story would have been how Detroit completely trucked the 49ers defense. Now, pass defense for the 49ers is still really, really solid. But if you can run, you can run. And the thing is, Kansas City can run. And then you throw into it the fact that Mahomes, uh, when he takes off and adds his ability as a runner uh, to it, uh, I think that Kansas City is going to feature the run. I think they're going to pound it until the 49ers prove they can stop it. And I think that's going to be one of the features of this game and one of the things to watch for. You know, I think Mahomes will probably throw it deep a time or two early just to keep the 49ers' safeties honest. But then I think the, the Kansas City offense is going to run through the running game until they can't. Trev, what is the best way to, if you're San Francisco, what is the best way to defend this Kansas City offense? Cover. You have to cover. Mm-hmm. And that's easier this year than it's been because the wide receiving room uh, is really still suspect of Kansas City this year. Rashi Rice, the freshman, not freshman, rookie uh, in the NFL wide receiver, uh, he has been phenomenal late in the season. But still, this is not a, a group of receivers in depth when you take Kelsey out of it that scares anybody. And so... You know, you, you, in terms of stopping the run, you're going to put people up on the line to do that because Isaiah Pacheco and the threat of, of, uh, Patrick Mahomes running is a problem. And then when Kelsey drops back to pass, and this is why covering is important, no matter how good of a pass rushing crew you have, you have to limit your pass rushing possibilities to stay in your lanes and contain Mahomes first. You can't throw your best move. You have to throw your best move that allows you to stay in the right spot so he can't get out of the pocket. That slows you down. That limits what you can do as a pass rusher. And so Mahomes is going to have time in the pocket to throw. So really it comes down to will the 49ers secondary and linebackers be able to cover, assuming that Mahomes has plenty of time in the pocket to survey the field. If they can't do that, they're going to get absolutely – housed by Mahomes and, and what he can do if he's got time to throw. Now, you don't just stop your pass rush. You try to squeeze it in, but squeezing a pocket 
is a whole lot harder to do on a consistent basis than beating a guy because you're a fantastic pass rusher individually. I'm looking at how well will the 49ers be able to cover when Mahomes has time in the pocket because their passing game has to first keep him in the pocket. You know, we look at the Kansas City offense, obviously we think of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, just, you know, devising a game plan, especially when you have two weeks to prepare. And all that, I think, is true and it's relevant. And everything that you said, it's like, okay, you know, they almost seem unstoppable. And the 49ers have the opportunity, to quote you, you know, to get housed. But here's my big question mark. Why have we heard so much all season long about the Chiefs offense struggling, especially in the red zone, because they are not putting up these electric big offense video game type of numbers. When you look at the Chiefs, they scored 17 against the Ravens, all right, 27-24 in Buffalo, 26 against a Dolphins team that was really banged up, missing six starters. You know, you go to that Chargers game, 13 to 12. I mean, this team has been putting up 20, 24, 27, 17 points. I mean, I got to go back, Trev, to holy moly, to the first time against the Chargers, they put up 31. So why should we, you know, believe that Kansas City can, can really put up a big day against the 49ers defense, which is still one of the best? It's because of situational football. You know, with the uh, the problems with receivers um, and with injuries in the running back room over the course of the season from time to time, the skill people just haven't been the same. Travis Kelsey has slowed down. Now, he's had a fantastic postseason. But during the regular season, he was good. He was very good, but he wasn't as good from a standpoint of yards per completion, from a standpoint of, of doing things he used to be able to do when he was a bit younger. Um, and he didn't have the wide receivers to take pressure off of him. So these are reasons why this offense didn't do what it needed to do. But here's what happened. Their running game stepped up. Isaiah Pacheco had an absolutely fantastic um, se- season when he was healthy and postseason as well, playing through injuries a lot of the time. And then the defense, of course, stepped up to be the number two defense overall in the league, second only to Baltimore. And so this team became a a run-the-ball and defensive team who happened to have a great quarterback who didn't have the weapons he normally has. So when you talk about what the offense did, what they had to do was situational football. And they did just enough in the regular season to get to be the third seed. Mm -hmm. But then they stepped it up from an experience standpoint, not from a standpoint of putting tons of numbers up, but putting the plays out there that needed to happen to move the chains and to score the points and to move the clock when they had to do it. If I were to tell you before the season started that the Chiefs this year were going to have over 30 drops in the regular season and minus 11 turnover ratio, you'd probably think they weren't going to make the playoffs. Or if they were, they wouldn't go anywhere in the playoffs, right? Well, that's what happened in the regular season. Then if I would have said, okay, but they're going to make the playoffs, but in order to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to take that anemic offense and win at Buffalo and then win at Baltimore. You'd think it was absolutely as close to impossible as you you could think that they would make it to the Super Bowl. So why did they? Because especially when they got to the playoffs, Mahomes to Kelsey became electric once again. Kelsey doesn't run like he used to, uh, but he understands defenses better than he ever has. And his chemistry with Mahomes is as good as it's ever been. And so when a play had to happen, Kelsey would find a spot in between the zones, or he would find a way to get separation from man coverage. And Mahomes would know exactly what he's going to do and put the ball there in that one moment when he comes open. And time after time, those kinds of heartbreaking plays to keep the offense of the Chiefs moving are why the Chiefs offense was able to help them get to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Not because of massive numbers, not because of electrifying plays, but because of heartbreaking moments due to the experience that they've got and the chemistry that they've got between Mahomes and Kelsey and 
put those things together with the other strengths of the team, especially on defense. And the offense didn't need to be the offense from the last several years. Trevor Maddich joins us, ESPN College football, former NFL vet himself, and uh, always uh, talking NFL with us uh, as well. Breaking it down, Chiefs, Niners, Super Bowl 58 here on Sunday. All right, so the big question mark for me, Trev, is Brock Purdy. When you look at Purdy, it's it's not always Purdy. It's not pretty, you know what I mean? But when you compare his stats, at least, to Mahomes, they're better than his. He's got more yardage than Patrick Mahomes. He has more touchdown passes than Mahomes. He's got less interceptions. And, you know, but Purdy has not really looked great in these two playoff games against what was supposed to be lesser opponents than the Green Bay Packers, who was the seventh seed, and the the Lions, who came in on the road as well. He's been at home, but he hasn't been great. How do we expect him to react to, like you said, this number one defense that Kansas City has? And then, of course, you know, the Niners defense trying to keep Mahomes and and Pacheco and and Kelsey. And let's don't forget about Rice. I mean, Rice has been fantastic uh, from a receiving standpoint. Purdy, to me, is, is the big question mark here. And if he plays anything like he did in these last two playoff games... Uh, I don't. I don't see how Forty Nineers can win. Well, you're you're right about pretty. I think exceeding expectations and the numbers have been fantastic, and you can't take anything away from him from that standpoint. The the thing though that he has got to do is not try to out Mahomes. Mahomes. If he goes out there and tries to match Mahomes play for play, he's going to end up making mistakes because pretty you know, at times has looked really bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, over the course of the, uh, over the course of the playoffs, the last two playoff games, um, the stat that I saw was that he had 17 passes that were off target, 17. Now that doesn't, uh, you know, I don't think that accounts for throwing the ball away because he's under pressure in the pocket or, or things like that. But at the same time, that that's an awful over two games, 17 errant passes. And, you know, Green Bay, they were able to win that game somehow, even though Green Bay was run the ball down their throat. Detroit, they won that game because Detroit lost it more than the 49ers winning it. And yet here he is. And the question is against a defense like the, the Chiefs, which will be the best defense he's faced this year, how does he on this massive stage handle it mentally? Because, frankly, Purdy has not been very good in the playoffs. He just hasn't. Whereas Mahomes has been vintage Mahomes. The difference is that Purdy has a much better group of skilled players to get the ball to than Mahomes does, right? As good as Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the Chiefs, is and has been, McCaffrey is a lot better. As good as Travis Kelsey has been in the playoffs, and he's been clutch in the playoffs. George Kittle, the tight end for the 49ers, is younger and better in my opinion. And I would rather have Kittle right now if he just gave me the choice between those two players and didn't account for the chemistry with the quarterback. And then with Debo Samuel at receiver, I'd rather have him than Rice, the rookie for the Chiefs. And so, you know, Purdy has the guys to distribute the ball to that Mahomes does not. Purdy cannot win this game by being great. Purdy can lose this game by trying to do too much too early in the game. You know, we talked before the Detroit game, TC, about how what Purdy needed to do in that game was just distribute. Distribute the ball, get it to the right guys. Well, he did that just enough, but not particularly well for four full quarters. That's where he needs to get better now on the biggest stage. Final thing here, Trev, for you. What is the biggest matchup or the key matchup that you're looking for here that is really intriguing you and what's, and could be the difference in how this game turns out? It's going to be Kelsey against the 49ers safeties and linebackers. Kelsey doesn't get open anymore because he's better than you physically. He gets open because he knows more than you. As a matter of fact, when you watch him pre-snap in motion and shifts and things like that, he just moseys around. 
he just doesn't have it anymore to 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 expend too much energy pre-snap. So he just kind of gets to where he's going and all that. When it comes to running routes down the field, you don't see him come off the ball with explosiveness and you go, wow, look at that guy run. You just don't. But somehow he ends up in a spot where the ball can get to him and be completed over and over again. The Ravens ran a lot of zone. Well, the 49ers are going to try to do that as well. And Kelsey is a master of knowing how to manipulate zones with stems. In other words, he'll, he'll start his route one way and then he'll end up going a different way to get between two guys in the zone, having widened one of them with his stem. And then he trusts Mahomes to be able to get the ball to him before the zones can converge on him. That's going to be the key. And when it's man coverage, that's the way it's going to be. If I'm the 49ers, I'm actually playing more man uh, against the Chiefs specifically because I want a guy pegged onto Kelsey as much as possible. But Kelsey against those players in zone and man coverage is going to be the key. If Kelsey can't do what he did against the Ravens, which I think was like 11 catches in that game, then Mahomes, as great as he is, isn't going to have very many places to go because I don't think Rashi Rice is going to carry this team at wide receiver. And I don't think any other wide receivers that they have are really Super Bowl caliber. This is all about Kelsey moving the chains, Kelsey finding a, a clear spot in the end zone. And if he can't do that, then I think the Chiefs are in trouble. Wow. So look at that. I mean, we've been all over the place here on both sides. You said that the, you know, the 49ers can get housed here and then the Chiefs could be in trouble. I mean, this is, this is a great match. I mean, this is what I love about, you know, the Super Bowl in Vegas is one thing, Trev, but I'm so excited that we've got the 49ers and the Chiefs because let's let, you know, two great fan bases, two great teams on both sides of the ball, two top tier defenses. I mean, this is, you know, for Las Vegas to get their first Super Bowl, to have these two teams, I mean, this is special. I'm just so glad it wasn't a wild card team that got in here. And again, say what you want about the lovable Lions being a good story and everything. I don't want to see them here. I want the Chiefs. I want the 49ers. This is going to be great, isn't it? And hence, this is what you get with the point spread, too. Virtually a pick em. Yeah, and the thing is, I think both teams are going to run the ball. The 49ers, keep this in mind, that their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, was offensive coordinator when Atlanta lost to the Patriots in the right, Super Bowl. Right. And he got a lot of criticism for moving away from the running game in the second half of that loss. And then he was head coach um, against the Chiefs here recently in the Super Bowl and got criticism for getting away from the running game uh, in that game. So I, I think he's just going to keep the pedal to the metal and, and not go for three in a row being criticized that way. That's one thing. But I'll tell you this, though, about Las Vegas and stuff. I always thought that the Super Bowl should be – Three out of four years, it should be in New Orleans. And then one out of four, it should go to other places. Because New Orleans is set up for hundreds of thousands of fans to pour in and have all kinds of fun with adult activities, walk back to their hotels, and then leave when it's over. And it's like nothing ever happened. Right. Las Vegas is that way, too. Yes. So I think it should be two two New Orleans, two Las Vegas, and then one everywhere else. I, I'm so excited to see how Las Vegas hosts this game. Hey, you know, another topic here before I let you go is the, the practice field situation here. Now, oh, I don't yeah. know how closely you've been following that or not, but how big a deal is this? Is it a big deal when you now you've, you've got these you know, scientists that are talking about the grass? Okay, now we understand. Okay, the Chiefs are the home team. Okay, it's the, the even year, so AFC is the home team, so they're in the Raiders facility. Uh, the UNLV facilities, major upgrade over years, the Fertitta football complex, but you know, the NFL comes in and puts grass over the turf field here. And the Niners are saying, Hey, this turf is too soft. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to practice here. Is this an issue or not? Yes. Yes. It's an issue. The reason is timing. NFL offenses are all about, about matchups and about timing. And if you go two weeks without playing a game and not even being able to practice, at the proper speed in the week leading into the game, you might need a few series to kind of get it back up to speed and a game that's essentially pick them uh, losing a couple of series because you're, you're getting your timing back is, is potentially a problem. So absolutely not from a standpoint of knowing what to do, but from a standpoint of, of maximizing timing and practice leading into the game, that's a big deal. 
Okay. I mean, is it, I mean, I don't know, you know, uh, if you majored in, I don't know what this is, you know, chemistry or graciology or whatever it is, uh, Trev. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that, that type of graciology, you know, if, if you partake in that, I don't understand. But anyway, but you know, what's, what's the difference between like, say, uh, uh, 50 G's, which is too soft versus, you know, the 70 G's, which is, um, you know, where the 49ers prefer it. You know, we're talking about g-spots here trevor do you like your g-spot you know a little lower a little higher a little harder a little softer what's the deal here i, I can't right. units of gravity by the way that's what the g means 100 g's i guess means you know hard g-spot hard gravity 70 is like right in the middle but they the field at unlv is 50 so i don't know you know you tell me how, how big a deal that is or you know how uh, much that, of a difference that is no well it, it makes a difference when it it forces you to change the way you you cut. When it forces how hard it changes the way an offensive lineman can fire off the ball. It changes how fast a pass rusher can come around the edge and not spin out because he loses traction. That's where you get the problem. Because if you're just jogging around, well hey, that's no big deal. But in the drills where guys are going full speed, you got to slow down. You got to chop your feet more. You got to take into account the fact that you don't want to slide out. You don't want your feet to, to, you know, force the turf to give way. And then you're on the ground. And by the way, that's a really good way to, to, to pull a hamstring or a groin. It's also a really good way to tear an ACL. Mm-hmm. So guys are actually aware of that limit of traction and they make sure to stay inside of that limit of traction. And that affects how fast you can go. And that affects your timing. Trev, great stuff, my friend. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're breaking down X's and O's. You're breaking down weather for us. You've brought, uh, you've broken down grass for us. Very important. Oh, yes. Very, yeah. and, and we know that we both could break down food. We know that. Oh man. Well, I, I'm, I am the David Copperfield of food. I can make it disappear. Uh, the problem is if you watch closely enough, you'll see how I do it. Oh, geez. What is on the Trevor Maddich menu? Because I know you're going to be staying home. I'm going to be dealing with the uh, the press box food there at Allegiant, and I'm, I'm really hoping the Super Bowl you know committee comes strong here. I'm sure they will. So I, I think I, I'll starve myself all day on Sunday. Uh, we'll do that. But what about you? What are you having? Yeah, you listen, you, you being up there in the press box at the Super Bowl, it could be stale peanuts from the airlines. You know, It doesn't matter. I mean, wow. You know, it's going to be great. But I'm going to be with my wife, and she is a master chef. Oh, yes. And I'll tell you, yes. her chicken wings, it, they are juicy and plump and tender and delicious. I love plump. You, I love juicy. Mm, yes. Oh, when you eat Danish chicken wings, mm. you can't go anywhere else and eat chicken wings with any seriousness at all. You know, it, just, it ruins all chicken wings. Literally, I have never had chicken wings that weren't awful compared to Danish chicken wings. So she is going to, she's a big Chiefs girl now. She's a Kelsey girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's going to wear her sequin Chiefs jersey. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be a uh, chicken wings and uh, Kelsey Day. Does Dana Dane's chicken wing service deliver? Will she, will she deliver to Las Vegas? Let me put, no, no, she won't deliver to Las Vegas, but I will be sitting in the man chair, and she will deliver them from the kitchen to the man chair. Oh, no. That's no. very gracious of her. She doesn't have to do it, but she's wonderful that way. I, okay, I need pictures, because I've, I've, I think I, I've sent you pictures of the world-famous chicken wings at the Cosmopolitan and Blue Ribbon. I mean, nothing like it, Trevor. They are the Cadillac of chicken wings, as I say, and I, I, every time I bring a guest there, they go, wow, these are the best chicken wings I've ever had. So I'm not, I'm not saying that we need a competition here of putting Dana's up, but I need to get you to Las Vegas. I need Dana to maybe cook some before you guys get on the plane, whenever that's going to be, and we'll uh, smuggle them in. Well, I'll get the permission. Don't worry. And we got to do a taste test, maybe a blindfolded taste test at, at Blue Ribbon with, with Dana's chicken wings. Do, can I get you guys up for that? I'm finding yeah. any way to get you to Vegas, Trevor. Anyway, I mean, I've been begging you to get here forever. I, 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 we hope to see you. We're, we're going to head out that direction. We're hoping to be able to, to, to get close enough to Vegas to be able to stop by and say hi. But TC, I know you love chicken wings. Yes. But for some reason, you always find a way to get blindfolds into the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I, do, I do. My friend, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. All right. I want pictures and uh, of the food, of course. And uh, don't necessarily need pictures of you chomping on the food. Just, you know, pictures of Dana's great, but pictures of the food. Definitely. <laughs> 
Definitely the food. Awesome. Oh, I, these chicken wings, I've, you know, you've got my mouth watering here, my friend. That's all I got to say. Oh, they're good. And have fun at the stadium. I mean, you're the voice of sports in Las Vegas. Overall, you're the voice of the Las Vegas Aces, the multi-champion WNBA team. And now you're going to be in the press box at the Super Bowl right there in your hometown. I'm excited for you. You deserve this, PC. I hope it's a wonderful time for you. I appreciate it, Trev. Thanks, brother, and we'll talk to you soon. There he is. We'll uh, get Trevor back on uh, next week for a recap. All right, Chuck Esposito is going to join us out at Red Rock. We talk about the money. Talk about the betting line. Oh, yeah, let's talk about some food, too. This is five-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright. When I'm in town, I always listen to T.C. Martin. You should, too. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Super Bowl week. Live at Radio Row there tomorrow and Thursday. A plethora of big-time guests uh, that will be rolling through just like we do. Just doesn't matter. Studio, on the road, wherever it is, our next guest. Hey, he's got it cracking here because uh, we are looking forward to what is going on at the sports book. All right, remember, okay, if you can't go to the game, you know, if you don't have an extra eight Gs in, in your back pocket to go to the games, go over to one of the station casinos properties because it will be lit, as the kids say. Right, Chuck? As they say, it's lit, baby. I guess that's what, the, that's what they say. The one and only Chuck Esposito, our fine Racist Sportsbook Director of the Station Casinos and Chuck over there at Red Rock with uh, with Jason and Jason and the gang and everybody else. My girl Leah, she's there. A plethora of of outstanding people there manning uh, everything there at the Red Rock Sportsbook. Chuck, uh, talk about how busy Saturday and especially Sunday is going to be for you guys. We can already kind of tell, T. I mean, there's just a different kind of vibe and electricity and an excitement in the air. Um, it really started, you know, even, even last week. It wasn't really, you know, uh, prop week or prep week. You could just feel it. And I think, you know, by the size of the six-figure bets, um, the uptick in handle from a year ago at this point to where it is today of roughly over 35%, this is going to be a huge bet event. And I just think that, you know, you're going to see between the, the live product, the over-the-counter, the kiosks, the mobile, this is going to be a fun Super Bowl and a, a busy time for us. But if um, early handle is any indication, this is going to be huge. Chuck, don't you – I think you feel like I do here that – you know, I think we talked about this last week – is that I am so glad that we have the Chiefs and the Niners in the Super Bowl. I understand the Lions would be a fun little story. I get that. But really, I don't want to see a wild card team, especially when you know we're hosting. We get to be at the game and, and that sort of thing. And this is Las Vegas' very first Super Bowl. To have these two iconic teams, iconic fan bases, uh, and two – very, I mean, elite quarterbacks, especially Patrick Mahomes, doesn't just seem right. And anything else, any other teams, I feel, would be a disappointment if it wasn't Niners and the Chiefs. And the line reflects that. I mean, it's definitely exciting. I think, you know, just being out here, T, and if you're a Raiders fan in any way, um, your two most hated rivals, probably dating back to, you know, God knows when, sharing the, the Bay Area one team in the AFC, one in the NFC has to be the 49ers. And then now in your division, it's got to be the Chiefs. So, I mean, you've got the two teams here that, you know, probably have created the greatest rivalry for the Raiders uh, and their fan base. Um, you've got a team that has an opportunity that is defending their championship, a Niner team that you know, has a huge following out here, and two teams that played in the Super Bowl just four years ago that were tied at halftime and one team led by double digits at the end of the third period and lost by double digits when the game finally ended. Right. So there's a lot of you know, cool stuff going on, but I think it's a great matchup for our first Super Bowl out here. Um, you can just tell, again, the, the vibe, the electricity, the excitement. Um, it, it's big game week, 
and everybody is walking around with one of these prop packets. All right, let's talk about the line here. The 49ers are a point-and-a-half favorite here, and I think for some fans, even even maybe astute football fans, they might not totally understand that because, hey, we know the Chiefs get a lot of love. Uh, the Chiefs' offense can be dynamic, led by Patrick Mahomes, and, of course, there's there's weapons. And since that Raiders loss at Arrowhead, Chuck, the, the Chiefs have been in a different gear, you know, winning on the road, you know, convincingly, you know, kind of against Buffalo and Baltimore, but they're the underdog here. Why are the 49ers the favorite? First T, I'm not sure where you got the one and a half from, but it is two, two and a half industry wide. Chuck, um, I've been in Sacramento good. for five days. I, there you go. See, so you, <laughs> you better you know, hit me to be square as uh, Huey Lewis and the news said back in the day. Uh, help me out here, brother. What's going on? I'm trying, buddy. I am trying. You know, there was a lot of thought that went into it. I, you know, I think when the when the playoffs started and as we got through the first weekend of the wild card weekend and moved into the divisional round, we started putting together all the possible scenarios. And of course, one being Chiefs Niners. And in that matchup, we had the Niners at least a three-point favorite, maybe the hook on it as well. Uh, then the Chiefs go in and win at Buffalo, win at Baltimore. The Niners struggle a bit. Uh, probably should have lost that game to Green Bay. Uh, some, you know, uh, Love missed a few passes late in that game. They missed a field goal. Um, and, and then they struggle with Detroit, losing you know, by a huge number going into the locker room and then come back to win that game. Um, and then you look at Patrick Mahomes, again, who won those two games, getting points, and you know, we factored all that in and said you know, three is just too many points. We opened it two. The betting public told us right away that that number was too high, and it came crashing down to one within 24 hours. However, since that time, we've seen the larger wagers come in on the 49ers. The six-figure wagers come in on San Francisco, and that number has ticked back up. But it's when you look at the ticket count, 63% of the tickets favor the Chiefs on the point spread. 71% of the, the ticket counts favor the Chiefs on the money line, and a whopping 74% favor the over in this game. So it's just something that when you look at it, you know, Big bets are on one side. Ticket counts are on the other side. I'm not sure where we're going to go from here, but, uh, you know, we've only scratched the surface as far as handle goes. Probably only about 15 to 20% of the overall handle has ticked in so far. See, Chuck, isn't this the ultimate situation for you guys in, in, in sports books to get a dream matchup like this? Like I said, two you know wildly popular fan bases, but also you know two kind of uh, traditional you know sports you know betting backing teams as well too. And like you said, large bets on one side, volume bets on the other side. I mean, this has got to be just a a record type of of Super Bowl for you guys however it shakes out because you, you guys are going to be winners right I hope so T you know I mean we're, we're going to definitely need one of the two sides when the game kicks off I think we're going to be Niner fans on our side of the counter and we're clearly going to be under fans I think we're winners from an opportunity for our entire city and our industry to shine to be at the the forefront uh, to put on a show for our guests and to give our guests an unbelievable experience, um, you know, throughout the Valley and especially in our sports books. I mean, this is going to be a fun time for us. I mean, we've been talking about it, and I think all of us, although it's, there's a lot that goes into it as far as prep and planning and making sure that we're delivering, um, there's a perpetual smile on our faces, too, that I think you can hear it in all of our voices. This is fun to be part of and fun to be on this side of the counter and, you know, happy to root for whoever we need at kickoff. But I'm guessing as of right now, we're going to be Niner and under fans come Sunday. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. All right, Chuck, uh, talking about the betting, the handles up and everything. Do you think that this easily kind of surpasses any other previous Super Bowl for a record volume handle? I can't always say easily. Um, I think so. Um, I think just if... Early betting is any indication, T. It's definitely trending that way. I think when you look at events that are here in Vegas, like the Formula One handle being the largest handle that we get um, for the races, the NASCAR, the same thing. When you look at you know what we generate on home um, Aces games, Knights games, Raiders games, when there's a prize fight out here, a UFC event, a Pac-12 championship, some of those showcase basketball tournaments, 
it's always so much greater. And when you talk about a game of this magnitude, being here in Vegas, you know, the first Super Bowl ever here in Vegas, and that, you know, it wasn't that long ago we couldn't even advertise um, on the Super Bowl commercials. Um, so I think when you look at all those and the matchup and, you know, the mobile app and kiosks and the live feature, I think everything points to this really has the potential to be a record Super Bowl here in the state of Nevada. I, I'm going to say, Chuck, easy. I'm going to say, you guys crush it. I say, and it, you might be right. Yeah. You might be right, T, and, and I, I think you're going to be right. Yeah, I know, but and you you got you got to take the the happy medium there. I, I get that, Chuck. There, where I can go ahead and, and and boast it and put out some bold predictions. There, there it is. And I, I lifted my arm, and I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, and and you'll sell more chicken wings than you've ever had as well too in the sports book. How's that? Uh, I love it, T. I I always know that you're going to somehow get the football conversation oh, back to food. That's um, we actually have that prop on the board. Will TC talk about food during our segment at some point? Yes is a out price, but we got there. We got we got there with the yes. That's minus 800, Chuck. What are you talking about? I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> that's yep. awesome. Hey, just get some of those, uh, the world-famous chicken wings from Blue Ribbon there. That Right down right down the, the hallway there from, from the sports book. Get them shipped in uh, to the staff and everybody else while you're watching the Super Bowl. And then th- that's it. Game, set, match. That's all I got to say. The best. I hear you, buddy. The I best. hear you. The best. All right, get, let's go on the field. Um, what matchup are you most curious about? I think it's going to be really um, how the Niners um, defend Kelsey. I think when you look at um, Kansas City and – the Niners have the more weapons. When you let me just backtrack, you look at both teams on paper. I think the Niners are the are the more explosive team. I think when you look at the weapons, if it's Ayuk, Kittle, Samuels, um, McCaffrey, they're they're a team that is just they've got a ton of skill position talent. I think on the other side now you've got some young receivers with rights. Um, you've got you know of course a couple of running backs led by Pacheco, and you've got number eighty seven who is such a focal point of that offense with uh, Patrick Mahomes. If you can somehow take him out, I think you know you really put a lot more pressure on the rest of the Kansas City offense. With that said, though, we saw that they really struggled um, stopping the run, um, San Francisco against Detroit and Green Bay. Can Kansas City have that same success? On the flip side, no one's been able to stop. Kelsey and Mahomes. I mean, they already have two rings. They're looking for a third ring. Every prop is bet that favors the over, that favors Kelsey. Um, You know, Shanahan having that extra time off, can he devise something that neutralizes that? Um, We know how good Andy Reid is coming off the bye. I think regular season, he's 20-3, and an 86% clip. Postseason, he's 7-3, a 70% clip. First time ever that these, these two, Reid and Mahomes, our dogs for the third straight time. Um, but, you know, I, I think of your Frisco, you have to neutralize Kelsey somehow. I just think it's easier said than done. All right. And, uh, you know, we talk about the handle with both teams here and the total as well. Like I say, you guys are going to be under fans here. But the props, as we know, are king. And we know that you and that staff, they work diligently, tirelessly to put up uh, so many various props. What does this Super Bowl look like, Chuck, for you as far as the total props? And and I know that I get an assist because last time we had you on, I think I, I, I threw out the Travis Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift prop. Is it true, Chuck? You got that on the board now? We've got a we've got the, a prop on the board, and I thought we talked about it last week. But it's it's how many receptions uh, would Kelsey have compared to how many platinum U.S. albums uh, his pop star girlfriend has? So uh, that's on the board. She she has ten. Um, the prop is uh, exactly ten, nine or less, or eleven or more. And you know, just for conversation, he comes off a game that he had eleven yeah. receptions against the Ravens. So I think you look at it, and it's really uh, creativity at its best. Um, when you talk about, you know, they're going to try to feed him. We know he's going to be the vocal point of that offense. Uh, will he get more um, than ten receptions? So it's been fun. It's been received really well. It's drawn national media attention, and it's just again creativity on his receptions. But it's been fun to at least put something up like that. We've got a, a host of um, of uh, cross sport props tied to the Knights 
UNLV basketball, other basketball games that day. And the ones that are really getting some interest, T, those are the same game props. We were really creative. And you can kind of have your bet builder and build some of these um, on the app. But we're actually offering these over the counter right now. So an example would be Christian McCafferty over uh, rushing yards, Debo Samuel touchdown, and the 49ers win. And for all these to occur, there's some big yes prices on all of these. And there's over two pages of, of these type props that have been received really, really well. And I think the guests love overall close to 30 pages over 500 different ways to bet the game. You don't have to love a team that's uh, wearing red or red and gold, but there is a lot of different ways to bet the big game. No doubt. And uh, we go back to the, uh, you know, what happens back there at Red Rock. And you're talking about coming up with these props. Uh, Chuck Esposito had nothing to do with that Taylor Swift album prop. No, that's not you. That didn't sound like Symbol or McCormick. That, Leah came up with that one. That's it. She's the one that devised that prop, right? Come on! It actually was. It actually was uh, one of our hub traders, Brad, uh, one of our senior traders, did a great job of coming up with this. And texted me early in the morning last Monday and said, "Hey!" And you know, the more we thought about it and just kind of vetted it, and then you know, ran it up the flagpole. That it's more creative than anything else. A little bit of play on words, but it's drawn some attention. I mean, everyone asked, you know, could we put up what luxury box would she be in? Could we put up, you know, will either one of them propose? Uh, will she wear a hoodie or a cap? And you know, who else? Will be in the box. We we can't put that stuff up. Right. Although it's fun and it draws media attention, everybody's talking about it. But this was actually something tied to the game. And again, he comes off a game with eleven receptions, so it made some sense in a game of this magnitude. They're betting the over. Um, would this be something they played? And ticket count clearly favors the yes. At this point, as does every other prop, including MVP, which a tight end has never won, multiple touchdowns in the game, yards, all favor a number 87 playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Uh, amazing. Chuck, I appreciate it, man. Great stuff, uh, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend and your Super Bowl Sunday, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you next week and recap it all. All right, T. Appreciate it. It's fun for us, as you can tell in my voice. We're we're fired up. I'm already losing my voice, and it's only Tuesday, <laughs> but uh, we're looking forward to the big weekend and putting on a show for our guests. STN Mobile app. If you don't have it, it's a must. You got to get it. The in-game wagering options. Uh, that is the easiest way to go as well, too. So uh, make sure you do that. But if you are going to go out to Red Rock or any of the stations because you use properties, use those kiosks. Get out there. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the visuals. Great stuff. My friend, appreciate you, and I'll talk to you next week. We didn't come here. All right, T. Thanks, buddy. You got it. There is Chuck Esposito, my guy. The best. All right. One of the best. You know, I got to be cool because, like I said, I got some great friends and partners that are involved with us uh, in the show, our sports book side. Uh, and, and I love our guys. Going to promote them all the time. All right. Uh, the Super Bowl shuffle is uh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be this year? We're going to break it down the rest of the week. Niners, Chiefs. I don't know, man. Kind of undecided. I know who it's not going to be. These guys, the Chicago Bears. Or that gal Bernstein. Hey, Chicago guy. Hey, Chuck Esposito, Chicago guy. All right. Trevor Maddich. Hey, Sacramento guy. Miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Great to be back. And we'll be rolling along live. Mandalay Bay tomorrow, Radio Row. Going to be a great show, as well as Thursday, Friday at the Westgate. Let the hype begin for Super Bowl 58. We're just here to do the Super Bowl show.